We're going to look at one of the most difficult and misunderstood parables of Jesus. Find out more on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. There are questions that we ask ourselves every day, and there are questions that are in the back of our mind that impact the larger aspects of our life. On this episode, we're looking at the topic of beyond death, and we're in the midst of a topical arc looking at the state of the dead. In the studio, we have Sebastian and Callie and Siku, and my name is Justin, and you're watching Inverse, and we're so glad that you decided to join us, and uh, we are, we are, are we, are we happy, yeah, that they're Absolutely. here? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad that, that they're here. Um, <laughs> What are we doing? Oh, yeah, we're going to be reading the Bible like we always do. Or we're going to be praying like we always do. Um, but I, I've been really, this, this, this topic has been quite heavy. Yeah, it's, uh, we we're trying to keep it light and, and, and fun. But also, there's, there's a lot of heavy stuff in, in this topic. So mm-hmm. uh, we want to juice out everything we can and, and be led by the Holy Spirit. So Sebastian, can you pray for us? Yes, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we uh, bow before you, humbly recognizing that We need you and your spirit to help us to understand truth, to guide us to those things that glorify Christ and that provide clarity. So, Father, may you make this our experience as we grapple with your word together, and may we each be blessed and encouraged from our study time today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to go to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Siku, you can read that for us. Uh, we are looking at different passages of Scripture that are very difficult. Uh, we looked at the first three episodes on what really happens to you after you die. And we want to encourage you to go to hopetv.org slash inverse and look at those episodes and watch those episodes if you haven't already. And then we're looking at different passages in Scripture that, like, wait a minute, this is really difficult. I'm not getting it. Or what in the world is, uh, in the, is the Bible trying to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of those passages. This is one of the most difficult, uh, oh, I think the one of the most difficult uh, parables of Jesus. And we're going to see what we can juice out of, out of this passage today. So Siku. Yep. Um, Luke 16 verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Okay, we'll stop there. The passage does continue longer, but we'll take a a short short pause. And Callie, can you kind of give us a synopsis on what do we know about what happens after you die from Scripture up to this point? What's the meaning of life? What has God called us to do in in one (laughs) sentence? Break it down. Jesus. Amen. So some things that we covered are that we are a soul. We yes. don't have a soul. And there's yes. not this like bifurcated, okay, yes. just a Kim word yes. from the OG Inverse <laughs> episodes. Yeah. So there's not like we don't have a soul that like floats somewhere with, with wings or whatever. Like we are a soul. Um, and yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when we die, we sleep and there is a resurrection and there is a going to heaven. But that happens after sleep and that doesn't happen like on a 
like one person goes at a time, like it all happens. It's a big, it's a big event. Mm -hmm. Read Revelation for further details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Bible is pretty clear on that. Looking at a yeah. different survey of verses, we yeah. want to also encourage you to go to inversebible.org and look at the Bible study guide. And you can go to Beyond Death, and it has a whole systematic study on uh, the topic of the state of the dead. So mm -hmm. what's going on here, Siku? So far, you read the first mm -hmm. uh, quarter there. What's yep. going on? So, so this text can be confusing, yes. um, particularly because of verse 23, right? Verse, because says, of verse 23, okay. Yeah, well, 22 and 23, right? Mm -hmm. So this beggar, the beggar who dies mm -hmm. is carried, apparently carried by angels into the bosom of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And it's this picture of, you know, after death, the beggar is actually not dead. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he's conscious and he's carried to a place which is described as the bosom of Abraham, which must be a huge bosom because everyone mm -hmm. who dies goes there. Correct. Um, <laughs> 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 right. And the rich man also <laughs> dies, but the rich man isn't carried into the bosom of Abraham. It says that he was buried. Mm. And then it says that being in torments in Hades, and we talked about this on the, in the episode where we talked about Hades, I think it was the third episode. Hades and Sheol, yep. right? Um, that the, the Greek, I guess, idea of, of Hades was a place of torment, mm -hmm. right? Like you're being tortured and, and it can be kind of confusing because in that episode we said that's not the Bible's picture of what Hades is mm -hmm. when it talks about Hades as in the grave, as in Sheol. Mm -hmm. But here it says clearly, mm. being in torment mm. in Hades, mm. right? Mm. So it, it, it raises questions like, okay, so... Um, is Hades like a place of torment? Mm -hmm. And when you die, you go up to heaven. And that's a, 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 you know, I guess a dominant picture that we have, a dominant, the dominant narrative in Christianity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so how do we reconcile that with the rest of well, scripture? I, I think the first thing that we use is the fact that how he introduces this helps us to see that even though he names Lazarus, this is still a parable. Mm. Um, and he uses a similar introductory format when you look at uh, verse 1 of chapter 16, he says, he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. Mm. And he goes on to tell the story of the parable. Mm -hmm. And you can find this throughout the Gospel of Luke that he starts this sort of pattern over and over. There was a certain, there was a certain. So the very fact that that phrase is right there at the beginning of verse 19 is a signal to us that Jesus is speaking in parabolic language, which is designed to use something the audience is familiar with mm -hmm. to teach them something that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the topic is not what happens when you die. Mm. That's not what he's actually trying to bring clarity on. Mm -hmm. He's actually trying to bring clarity on a completely different point. Obviously, we'll, we'll tease that out. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to start by saying that Jesus is speaking in a parable not in realities and referencing a true story. Yeah, we mentioned this in another episode, but I think it's worth mentioning again, that when you have a prop quote problematic text, I think this is one that's pretty unique in its approach and the way that Jesus presents, as, as mentioned by you, we have to kind of put it temp in a temporary zone and just put it in the middle. And we look at what all the rest of the texts say, texts that are clear, for example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 17, or 13 to 17, uh, very clear, and then these texts that provide clarity put those glasses on and read the problematic text through those glasses yep. rather than taking that one problematic text and then reading all the rest of scripture mm -hmm. and it provides a little bit of better balance rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of those texts. Mm -hmm. Yes? Absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to again emphasize the point that we want to focus on what he's talking about, not what he's not. We mm. talked about Paul is talking about how, you know, he'd love to go be with Jesus. We're like, oh, so that means well, you go right to heaven when you die. Like, that's not what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. You could even look at a different parable of Luke 15, of the parable of the lost son, mm. where 
in that story, when the lost son is down and out, he goes and feeds pigs. So it's like, so is the purpose when you're down and out, you should go feed the nearest animals? Is that mm. what we should draw from that lesson? Mm. Like, Whoa. no, Whoa. that's not what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> <Definitely>. Calm down. <laughs> so now agreed, like Luke 16 is a bit more obvious about uh, what happens when you die. Like it can, that, that's a clear there. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is to focus on what Jesus is focusing on in the point and not choose these little verses to be like, this is now a proof text on this universal truth. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yes. So, so going to to what um, I guess following up with what Sebastian was saying about it being a parable, mm -hmm. right? You have you kind of have that formula of there was a certain rich man. It, it introduces it as a parable. This is mm -hmm. a story. Yes. And I'm about to illustrate something. And um, when I was when I was commenting in the beginning, I was I made a joke about Abraham's bosom, but clearly, you know, even There's if Abraham was alive, <laughs> yeah, even if Abraham was alive, it clearly does not mean that everybody who dies goes into. Yeah. Like, there's not a human, you know, under the sun. Besides, like, why would you go to Abraham's bosom instead of God's bosom? You know, it's just kind yeah. of, there's, there's clearly something. Why the bosom? Like, why yeah. The, I mean, it's just weird. So this is a lot of figurative language. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. So, You're going to take it all literally, then take it all literally. Yep. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> but, but no one, generally, no one takes that literally. Yes. Right? yes. But then we'll take 23 literally, verse 23 literally. Yes. So, so there's symbolic language. It's, it's a parable. He's trying to illustrate a point. Um, and... Just, just like we talked about, you know, in, in the Greek mindset, this understanding of what Hades was. Um, yes, when Paul uses it or, you know, in the New Testament, when they use the term Hades, they're referring to Sheol. Like in the Old Testament, there was a, a Hebrew understanding of what that place is, a place of, of silence, a place of, you know, nothing, no, no human action. But there was a Greek understanding, mm. which in Jesus' time, people knew about this understanding, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and they knew that there is an understanding of Hades as a place of torment. Mm -hmm. And he references that and he brings that up. So it, it's a familiar concept to them, even though it's not a, the right concept, but it's a concept that is familiar. And he uses that to tease out the point that he's trying to bring out later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he uses um, a familiar story, a familiar concept to bring out the lesson that he wants to bring out at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a true to life concept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so just to continue to build off from that, when you look in verse 24 in the story where they get into the interaction, yes. he says, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Mm. So here Jesus is, again, using this, this concept that in communication, we call this the Pomelo principle, which is essentially using something you're familiar with. And we say, well, most people don't know what a Pomelo is. So we try to describe a grapefruit and different things. And they say, oh, I know what that is. And you say, well, Pomelo's like this. But here's a slight difference. And so Jesus's parables, even though he's using something familiar, he adds a twist right to that story. And here in this particular story of going to the bosom of Abraham, Jesus is like there's dialogue. Right. Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know how heavenly that is. Right. <laughs> to be in afterlife in the bosom of Abraham. Right. Embracing the promises of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, somebody's at your door. Who is that? Oh, the guy being tormented in hell, burning in flames. Hey, uh, can he uh, dip his finger to just quiet the flames just a little bit? Give me a little mercy <laughs> afterwards, right? And you're like, just the visual of this, right? 
screams symbolic language, but Jesus's response is, there is a gulf that is impassable. Mm -hmm. There is no interaction between these two groups of people within the parable, mm. but ultimately he's speaking about his ultimate point, which is in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. There's no changing your destiny after your death. Mm -hmm. So this whole concept of even consciousness after death, right? Even if you want to posit that, there's no changing, right? There's no changing of your situation. Once it is what it is, it happens at death. Mm -hmm. And so this man who experienced all these great things wealth-wise was a person who ultimately thought within the eyes of everybody else, he was blessed and going to enjoy great things after life. But in actuality, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. And the one who was suffering and laid at his gate and in poverty and all of that with sores and dogs licking his wounds, he receives all these blessings. Sebastian, hold that thought. We need to take not a great golf, but a smaller golf. We've got to take a break right now. <laughs> when we come back, we'll see what happens on the other side. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We're talking about Lazarus, the parable that Jesus talks about, and all the symbol, symbolism and imagery that, that's there. And it's pretty obvious from reading Luke chapter 16. Sebastian? So when you, when you go forward, to the request in verse 27, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, talking about Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He, and he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So I just want to pause here because essentially he's saying he's coming back from the dead, right? He's not coming back from another state of existence. Mm. So the shock here is that he's coming back from the dead and that this particular miracle would give them enough warning to prevent them from making the mistakes that he made in life. As if the great destitution was the lack of a miraculous experience. Mm. Mm. The reason why I ended up here is because I didn't have enough miraculous warnings to, to let me know I should not, I should make different choices so I don't end up here. He's suggesting that, yeah, they have the, the, the Bible and, and the Torah and everything, but that's not sufficient. Mm. You got to send something supernatural to them to get their attention and then they will change. Mm. To, to backtrack, you know, because because he ends up talking about sending help for, you know, his brothers who are still alive. Right. Because he has realized that, you know, his fate is sealed, like in that sense. Right. Yep. Um, but just backtracking to how his fate was sealed. Right. Um, the story you have that this man is rich, he's eating well, he has all the resources available to him, plus extra, but there's someone who's laid out at his gate. So this is someone who, is, um, who has proximity to him, somebody that he has access to, somebody that God perhaps has placed within his reach to be of help to, but apparently he does not do that. You know? And um, you know, Jewish scripture is, is full of you know, the injunctions to take care of those who are in, who are in need, who are, who are poor, who are oppressed. And here is someone who is right next to him, knowing that it's his responsibility to help this person. He doesn't do it. Not, not of a lack of knowledge. He didn't, oh, I didn't know that I was supposed to help this person. But he yeah. does not do mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. And 
and now when the, when the tables turn, so to speak, because you know, Lazarus makes it into Abraham's bosom, you know, and he's in a place of torment, um, mm. it, what, what resulted in him getting there was not heeding the word of the Lord, right? Right. Um, so, so just, I was backtracking because when he's asking now for a miraculous intervention for his brothers, it's not because they don't have access to God's word. He had access to God's word. They have access to God's word. Yeah. But they're not heeding the word of the Lord, right? Yep. And the, the, the gulf that is introduced here between Lazarus, who is in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man is, is illustrating the fact that in this life, this is the one chance that we have to make the choice that is going to affect us for eternity. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the YOLO of this, right? <laughs> this right. is the, yeah. um, you only <clears throat> live one life that gives you a chance to choose. YOLO right? is very appropriate here. Yeah, <laughs> right, absolutely. right. Yeah. Um, but if you make the right choice, then you'll live again, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like you'll have, yep. you'll have live eternally. But, but this is the one chance that you have to make that choice. And in this life, he did not make that choice. And th that's the, the guess the sobering thing about death is that it's kind of the finality of the opportunity to make a choice mm. you know and that's also the beauty about the fact that we have this probationary life is that God has provided us an opportunity to make the right choice mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. Kelly I just wanted to finish off what Sebastian was reading and read verse 31. Okay. Good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. So it's just the very ending of the parable so after uh, this rich man is being be is begging him to like, please send somebody to go warn my brothers. Please do that. But Abraham, but he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rise from the dead. And I know we've been mentioning it, but it just, it bears repeating that miracles, him, he's not even saying, he's not saying I won't do it because I don't feel like it. I won't do it because I don't care about your brother. I don't, I won't do it because I don't want them to repent. I won't do it because I want them to suffer. He's like, I won't do it because it won't work mm. like that. That won't actually do anything. So you're, th you think that a miracle will come and transform this experience and they'll like repent and all this. He's like, it, it literally will not happen. And I've thought that for myself sometimes for other people where I've, you know, I pray for miracles in their life. Or I'm just like, Lord, like give them like this crazy vision <laughs> or just like help them to see because that will totally push them over the edge. But in here, it's like, it's actually the word of God that has the most power. Yep. And it's not these crazy one-off experiences. It's not people rising from the dead and being like, oh, like God is actually real and like you should heed him. It's, it's allowing the word of God to work in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's something for us to remember for ourselves that the most powerful thing is what we already have. And that is scripture. Mm -hmm. It's not God making the sun stand still for us. It's not God yep. parting the Red Sea because the Israelites still turned their back on God so mm -hmm. many times mm -hmm. and they walked through that Red Sea. Mm -hmm. right. But what they did not allow is they did not allow God to speak to their hearts and to transform their hearts. Mm -hmm. right. yep. mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Cool. No, yeah. So verse 29, like the, the, that, that we have God's word, <clears throat> like they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Mm -hmm. um, it, for in this context, you know, you're speak, speaking to the Jews, they have Moses and the prophets. But, you know, it makes me think too of in Romans, where in Romans chapter one, where he's talking about um, how God judges all people. You know, there are people who may not have had access to, you know, Moses and the prophets. Yep. But let them hear what they do have, mm -hmm. right? So whatever, whatever truth is available to them, mm -hmm. let them hear that, right? right. Yep. Um, so that when it comes to, when God judges us at the end, it's not a matter of, yes, the information that we had is important, but what's more important than information is the, sta the state of our hearts. 
right? Yep. Because no matter how much information you get, if you do not have a heart to receive it, it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, you could know <laughs> the deepest theological truths and be lost because you do not have a heart that wants to submit to the truths that you're learning. So, so the, the problem that this rich man had and, and what Jesus is teaching is that like your brothers who are left alive, if they're lost, it's not because of a lack of information. If anybody is lost in the end, it's not because they lacked information. That's because right. God wants to save everybody. Mm. It's because they did not have a heart to receive the truths that God has revealed to them. Right. So, so let's say there's a, a, a young person watching, or maybe not a young person, maybe there's an old person watching. And they, they're like, all right, we get it, we get it, we get it. So, but where, where is the starting point? Okay, so you guys say, it's not about information. It's not about miracles. It's not about experience. So then, then what? Like how, I mean, if you guys are watching, they're, they're already engaged with God to a certain point because they're watching a TV show like this, right? So then where, how do we, how, what, what's the takeaway from, from this verse, uh, from this parable? Uh, what can, what, what, where's, where's the entry point? Well, you guys mentioned, but I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to say it explicitly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This is what you're, you. what you're, <laughs> what you're fishing for. Um, but for me, the, 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 the crux of this thing, in my opinion, you know, and looking at the text is that when God places opportunities for us to practice his word and we choose to ignore that word, right? We only have one lifetime, right? You can't do it after death. You don't get a second chance at trying to hear Moses and the prophets. And when he says hear, he's not saying listen or read, but to mm. actually obey and follow. Mm -hmm. Because the parable starts out with this rich man and a certain beggar named Lazarus was laid at his gate. Mm. So to me, the, 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 the quintessential takeaway is who has been laid at my gate? And what am I doing in that ministry to those individuals? And what does the Moses and the prophet or the Bible say Same how to treat the people me. in the gate? And my wealth may not yep. be food, but yep. it may be truth, yep. right? Or yep. it may be kindness or hospitality or it a home, may be food. right? It may <laughs> <Yeah>. be food. <laughs> and, and in these things, I need to recognize that God has provided for the poor in spirit, the poor in truth through me, right? He has provided for the poor in physical food through those of us who have wealth and means. There's also a group of people who, who are wealthy. Mm -hmm. They have the, the Word of God. They don't read the Word of God, but they feel blessed by God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then they, this, and, and, and that seems to be the, 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 the population that Jesus is yeah. addressing. Yeah. yeah. And I, think, I guess the question is, how many of us have resource to, you know, all Moses and the prophets in the Bible, and, blah, 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 and then we're living in a very developed nation and, 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 and one of the most richest uh, periods in Earth's history, and then how many Lazarus are around us? I mean, that's just a, the sobering point. And then I just, I, I, the, 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 the verb that I like to, and we'll go to Kelly here, I'm not ignoring her, but in verse 30, uh, it says, I think repent is, is really mm. the, yep. the key word here, right? Yep. So repent is not only like, you know, sadness and ashcloth and ripping and, you know, Superman experiences <laughs> that you have, yeah. but like just stopping and saying, Lord, my trajectory is wrong. Mm. I need to stop. And I want to turn around, but I don't know which really, I don't know where to turn around. So please reveal to me where to turn around. Yep. And then you, that revelation is found from scripture. And I got to go down that road as soon as possible. Amen. Because otherwise you're going down the wrong GPS route. Yeah. That's right. <laughs>
Kelly. That was basically what I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. But it's okay. But I'll say it my way. Your way, that's better. That's right. Well, I was going to say that. I was going to say it's different. (laughs) And that is, we might read this story and relate too much with the rich man. Mm. And me like, man, that that's me. Mm. Like there is somebody late in my gates, but they, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm. Like I see the need, but I don't know how to meet it. Or like that makes me feel awkward. Like I don't want to like, mm. it's just, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Like I don't, I don't yeah. like it. So I'm just going to ignore it. And we've talked a lot about how when you die, your, your fate is sealed. Mm. Before you die, your fate is not sealed. Mm. Right. And so even if you have lived decades of your life, like the rich man, always hope there is always, if you are conscious, there is hope. Right. <laughs> Life is hope. That's right. Like yeah. you don't have, to, you can see yourself and be like, I don't want to go down this path. And I can say, Lord, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for withholding these things. I'm sorry for being too scared. I'm sorry for being too uncomfortable. I'm sorry for just ignoring stuff because I didn't know what to do with it. Mm. I ask that you forgive me and I ask that you show me what to do. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is the exact place that we start because only Jesus knows what he wants to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to relate to the rich man and be like, man, it's, it's so awful. This is who I am. I guess it is what it is. But if we have breath in our body that God has given to us, we can always repent and completely change. Mm -hmm. And I would round that point out to also the identifying with Lazarus, right? Because you have a movement of people who are like, take all the money from every billionaire, right? And just distribute (laughs) it to everybody else. And they're like, billionaires shouldn't even exist. You know, blah, 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 blah. And they're looking at this in the light of poverty in the world. And I was reading a memoir of a billionaire and he was talking about how You know, he's saying people talk about, you know, they want to take my money and give it to these people. But he's like, I'd rather give them my work ethic. Right. I'd rather give them the commitments that I've made in terms of my integrity and how my relationships and values have led me to this place than just to give them my money without the values, the work ethic and the commitment to certain principles. And it goes to show you that that on one side, God has provided for the Lazaruses in this world through the wealthy right? Through the people who have means. That actually is accurate biblically. God has provided for those hungry people in those who have means. At the same token, sometimes the wealth is not the literal money and resources, right? Because the Bible is very clear. A man should not eat if he doesn't work, right? If you don't work, you don't eat. So the the recognition is we could just distribute means, but the, the Bible is really giving us here through the Lazarus side of the parable, God has provided for your needs in the wealth of others, in the means that they possess. Mm. And we must pray and trust that God will touch their hearts if they need to change directions, to repent and to say, Lord, I will follow through and be a vessel Mm. of generosity for you. So many takeaways from this parable. Very, very difficult parable, but there's so many takeaways for me. One thing is that is that it ain't over till it's over. And I appreciate that. Once you, it's the fact that you're alive, you're still hope. Number two is don't ignore the Lazarus, Lazaruses, Lazari, the Lazarus, <laughs> Lazaruses Lazarus. Lazarus. around you. Yeah. Yes. And then number three is even if God were to create the greatest miracle of all, it doesn't do anything to impact your faith. It is simply believing in God's word and God empowering you to do so. And Amen. God is all about empowering us because that's his greatest desire is to see us saved. That's my prayer. I know it's a prayer for my friends here. And hopefully that's your prayer. Prayer on behalf of the studio and our team. We want to say thank you for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. Bye.
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.